0: I think the problem is probably for the restaurants is it's the fear of the few people that can't handle it and there are going to be those people there always are but the majority of people if you think about it are going to be so relieved to not be at home with a spatula in their hand and to have that level of service
1: and community and you know everyone coming together
0: that they're just not going to care if they get a bit sprinkled on
1: Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking to somebody that the pandemic brought me close to. I mean, not that close to, but like I got to meet her and do some stuff with her. Her name is Sophie Storen. She's a caterer. Her catering company is Cook's Food. It's absolutely fantastic. I've been really uh, thrilled to collaborate with Sophie on a couple of projects, which which we might touch on. But the reason that I really wanted to chat to Sophie today is because you're an outdoor specialist, as caterers have to be. You just love it when things get hard, don't you?
0: Oh, I don't know if I'd say love it. it, Look, you know what? The, The key to it is, is even as, you know, things are starting to fall apart, you need to have a huge smile on your face and be clocking through all the things that you can do to save a situation. And, you know, we've had like collapsing marquees with... Brides crying on the, on the sort of ground in front of the marquee because it's been, it's been, you know, winds, like huge, huge winds and they've just basically knocked the marquee over basically. Um, and that have I mean, that was an incident that happened when I was actually heavily pregnant. So I'm like five in the morning standing in a marquee that's sort of half collapsed looking at the floral installation and all the lighting, you know, that was all fairy lights in the roof and they've just like, they're actually ripped apart. They're not even on the ground. They're actually, the actual chains of fairy lights are ripped apart. And I'm heavily pregnant going, oh, this is good. And the bride's sort of inside, you know, heavily medicated. And we're just sort of like looking at the roof and I'm just ringing all the suppliers going, get in the car now. We've got six hours to start again. Something that took us 12 hours, we now have about three hours to put together. And you know what? We did it. And it was great. And everyone was happy. Best wedding ever. You know, they loved it.
1: Got a great story out of it.
0: Got a great story out of it. I I did finish that shift and went home and just sort of vomited and then lay on the couch for about 12 hours.
1: As long as you didn't say like, I just went home from that event, went home, had the baby.
0: (laughs) No, no, but I was pretty—I was pretty big then, so it was really time to maybe pull my head in. And my husband sort of like peep,
1: poked his head through the door and went, "Yep, yeah, you think you might want to pull back a little bit?" And I was like, "No, I'm not done." <laughs> What's the sort of? I mean, you, you swung into action mode, like you sorted the situation. What's the kind of? You know, let's say someone's in a restaurant and it starts bucketing with rain. What's the sort of attitude that you need to bring to the situation, and, and what are some of the practical things that you can do?
0: Look, I think you need to have a little bit of humour about it. I mean, like if you think, I think about it as in when we do when we do the toilet thing in a marquee, right? You've you've portaloos, and they're a bit crap. And you've got to think of a way to make them feel a little bit better because not everyone can pay for the, you know, the really, really fancy bathrooms. So, you know, you might put in a few little things like mints in the bathroom. You get a trestle table, you put linen over it, you stick a mirror up on it and suddenly you've got a little thing happening there. How about a bar stool so the girls can kind of sit and chat while they're kind of touching up their makeup? So it's like having a few little things that are inexpensive to kind of you know, sort out the situation. I mean, how funny would it be if you were sitting at a restaurant, sitting outside, it started raining and they handed out umbrellas and everyone was holding their own umbrella going, this is actually okay. Like if it's a light, you know, if it's torrential raining, then yes, that's a huge problem. But, you know, there are ways that you don't have to kind of invest in this huge infrastructure to kind of make it happen. If you think about all the Melbourne places we go, they're not all fancy schmancy. I mean, we used to go to a bar that was in a container and it was 90% outside. We just stand there and have a beer and
1: get wet. <laughs> it, and no one cared. Everyone was
0: like, cool.
1: Yeah. This is very seasonal. I mean, I guess we are, we all know the scenario. Like we all know that we're, you know, in large part going to be outdoors just because we have to. So I suppose we're all going to have to bring a bit of um, stoicism to to the situation, aren't we?
0: Yes. But I I think the problem is probably for the restaurants is it's the fear of the few people that can't handle it. And there are going to be those people. There always are. But the majority of people, if you think about it, are going to be so relieved to not be at home with a spatula in their hand and to have that level of service and community and, you know, everyone coming together that they're just not going to care if they get a bit sprinkled on or if, you know, you can't, you're handing out last night's menu and you can't find the other menus, you know what, write it down on a piece of paper and read it out to the whole group. Like, you know, it's not, I think we get very caught up in what, being worried about what people are going to say, and we forget that when you're in a restaurant, you're actually already happy because you're at a restaurant and you're not, you know, at home doing nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there's also when things go wrong. I think there's also this uh, tendency for people to think that the disgruntlement is cumulative, and what I mean by that is is the is the is the attitude that I apply to. Let's say if you're doing something in traffic that might be a bit annoying to the person behind you, like you're turning right when it's annoying. Like, it's not that like the fifth person's annoyance is added to the to person's one to four. It's like they each only have their own little bit of annoyance. You don't need to take it on as cumulative, do you?
0: But also, if you're in, you're either in a mood or you're not. I mean. You know, when I go to a restaurant and something goes wrong, depending on how my day's going, I might sort of like laugh and go, whatever. Or if I'm having a shot, You know, it, sometimes it, it's just not... I just think that people are going to be more forgiving than you'd think and I think, I think that's the perspective that the restaurants need to take and I think the punters need to be understanding and come at it with a sense of, you know, enjoyment and understanding. Like they have just... The punters just have no idea about how hard. I mean, we went from doing catering to the take-home game. It's horrific. Everything has to be individually packaged. In the first week we did it, I didn't even put labels on stuff because I was like, oh, it's pretty obvious that's a lasagna. And everyone was like, well, no, you have to have ingredients. And it's like, oh. (laughs) And then it was like cooking instructions. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a lasagna. You chuck it in the oven. And everyone was like, no, once again. Not everybody knows how to heat up a lasagna. And I was like, okay, so we're going to learn on our, we've just got to learn on our feet a little bit, you know,
1: <laughs> and
0: we're going to make mistakes.
1: Yeah, but we're going to be in it together. I guess, is it, do we need to bring the attitude of, you know, we, it, like those, those overseas holidays where you have those dreadful adventures that end up amazing and end up being like your best story of the whole trip?
0: Oh, definitely. Like when you go out for, no one cares when you're sitting outside in Europe and there's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a sun shower. No one's like having a meltdown about it. Everyone's going like, oh, we're in Europe. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So this Melbourne summer 2021 is going to be, it's going to be like this trip that we all look back on and it's like this, yeah, this, this great adventure.
0: It's going to have to be our version of the National Lampoon's um, European vacation basically. Yep. <laughs> and we're going to have to come at it with that kind of positive sort of comic attitude. Yes. All right. Where things are going to get rained out. We might have to pick up our bowl of pasta and step under the awning and stand up and eat it for 10 minutes.
1: Yep, but we can do and that. And I think that's kind of okay and it's fun. Mm. All right. So we've sorted the rain. What about some, what about heat? What, what, what are some of your strategies for dealing with really, really hot weather?
0: Um, well, bowls of ice on the table seem to work because you can just chuck them in your white wine. I mean, you can sort of chuck them in your red wine if you wanted to, really. Um, And you can, you know, do things like that. It feels a little bit like you're overseas if you can, you know, have a big bowl of ice on the table and, you know, it's sort of over the top. But it's so easy for us to do, you know, if we're hosting a party, it's so easy to put a bowl of ice on the table and it sort of makes people feel like, oh, that's quite cool. You know, it's boiling hot. Um, I also, we've actually, do you know what's actually really handy is if you can actually get tea towels from Ikea, they're two bucks each, you dip them in water, you roll them up and you stick them in the cool room. Mm. Like if it's 42 degrees, you just hand them out to people and they wrap them around their necks. Love it. Oh, so good. We do them at, those at weddings when it's like 40 degrees and everybody's unhappy and you're like, here's a freezing cold towel and everyone's like, oh, yes. And then, you know, everyone has a few drinks and they're on the dance floor and suddenly it's not, you know, no one even realises it's still 40. Yeah, love it. Oh,
1: that's really great. Um,
0: Yeah, I think I think, you know, I think we're going to need a few things like fans and things like that but I do think, you know, we're going to be hot sometimes and there's no reason that, you know, restaurants should have to invest in huge amounts of infrastructure so that your bodily temperature remains at the perfect temperature that you're comfortable with. Mm. Yeah, we just got to be in amongst it a little bit. We're going to be in amongst it. We're going to get a bit hot. We're going to get a bit cold. Take a jacket. Make sure you have a cardigan that you can take
1: off, you know. I think I'm going to invest in a dining poncho of some sort or maybe someone could make some because... Yeah, it, I just feel like I want to be able to support the restaurants, but I don't. I hate being cold. I'm not so worried about being hot. Um, but yeah, surely there can be some sort of, you know, I'll just, I take my, I'll take my keys. I'll take my. But there's something fabulous about putting on a big
0: jacket, a big warm jacket and a scarf. I love that. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, like we used to go to the snow as kids, and my mum used to make my dad barbecue, and he'd be out there with a cold beer and basically an entire head-to-toe ski suit, and it was a blizzard. And she'd be like, don't come in into those steaks are ready.
1: And he'd be like, okay, and he'd be fine because he'd have a six-pack sitting in the snow. I love it. It's great. I feel like the attitude is going to be the most important thing. And, I mean, what do you do about keeping staff on track? Like if, you know, staff see a tablecloth flapping, you um, And people getting a little bit concerned. Like, how do you how do you sort of keep your staff focused and on track in in situations that get a little bit hairy?
0: I I think if they're distressed, that you can sense that they're feeling distressed, they need to walk away and they need to go to their, you know, a senior, more senior staff member and say, "I can't handle the situation," and you know, someone like myself or one of my managers would come in and sort of deal with the situation. Because honestly, you know, if you come in with storming in with confidence and a positive attitude, they're fine. You know, like flapping tablecloths, that's easy. That's just duct tape, double-sided duct tape that you stick to the inside of the table. You know, like that, I've been there, had the flappy thing. What about mozzies? Mozzies, um, coils under the table work really well. Um, A little, and, you know, a a can of AeroGuard. Sometimes it's mind over matter. Like I'm a person that gets itchy anyway so it could be a mosquito or it could just be my imagination okay so I I, you know I just think having all of the precautions there like the coils and like that but you've got to be careful of the tablecloths because you can set them on fire may have done that before okay (laughs) mosquito coil under the table catches to the old um tablecloth and that's the end of that
1: (laughs) all right that doesn't sound ideal
0: Nah, but it's you know you you know I learnt from that. You just stick it right in the middle centre pole of the table or, or it goes on the floor. The actual ones you can get from Bunnings, you can actually burn them in it inside a tin. They, they're really good. They're really good because they're less of a fire hazard, you know.
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, all right, I think you've pretty much sorted out all our outdoor dining scenarios. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. Um, so... As a caterer, this week would normally be all about spring racing. How does it feel to be uh, in a very different year? Um, Look, I think the thing that's
0: been most hard is obviously we cannot do events at people's homes. I mean, we're not a caterer that has stacks of venues. I'm a bit too flighty for that. I like to go to different places and create a new adventure every time. You know, so we don't go back and repeat the same thing. We do events at people's houses. And from what I can tell, this is going to be the last thing we're going to be allowed to do. So even though everyone's going, HOSPO's about to open up, we're still, I mean, we're still going, we're just not going to be able to have 50 people in people's backyards. And whilst I'm getting a lot of inquiries, I've done, what, four quotes today for December events where it's 40 to 50 people at someone's house you know there's a big disclaimer on the bottom of that that says you know if we're allowed basically because yeah I mean that's that's what we love doing is stuff in people's houses because you can go in and you meet them and you talk about what the menu is and what type of people they are and you sort of design that and the look and the feel of the table setting around the style of food they want and what kind of person they are and because we don't have set menus we kind of create our own adventure as we go it's there's a real kind of like closeness that we have with people that that we're missing you know like to be able to talk to someone about why they want to serve a certain dish or not you know you just can't we're not just you can't just have any of those conversations at the moment because it's you know it's only take home or it's more of the gift boxy type things that we're doing
1: sure so is it like an ongoing regret and sadness about the situation or are you just so beyond that you just like just throw it at me whatever it is we'll just roll with it
0: um you know what i know every, it's it's the corona coaster like some days i'm like okay this is what we're going to do it's going to be awesome can't wait let's do it and then two days later it's like fetal position in bed don't want to move so it's a matter of having the least amount of f- fetal position moments Uh, and having as many of the, you know, inspired moments where you're you're looking at what other people are doing going, oh, that's a really great idea. I wonder if we could do that in this way and things like that. Like this this is going to end and it's just a matter of holding on until it does. And we've been, you know, it feels a little bit like we've been calling it a little bit of battle fatigue where, you know, you're always running around going, yep, here we go, motivated, can't wait, going to do this, going to do that. You know, most of my senior events team are delivery drivers. And that was kind of a bit, that was a bit novel at the beginning. We're all like elbows out the window. I'm going to go down to Mornington Peninsula today and deliver some food. How fun. But it's, you know, this is people's career choice. And suddenly it's like, okay, that was fun for like a couple of months. When is this going to be over? So, that's sort of another important part where we're trying to, you know, make sure we all motivate each other, you know, and we're all having low weeks and then we kind of motivate each other and then, you know, I, I mean, even, you know, the team have had to motivate me before when I'm a little bit like, when is this going to end? <laughs> and they're like, it's going to end, it's going to end, don't worry, it's going to end, it will be fine. <laughs> but, you know, so it, it's, it's a roller coaster to be really
1: f- honest. Because mm. you seem to be quite a doer of a person, like you don't seem to be too much of a, you know, woe is me kind of person.
0: No, I think, I think what I've realised at the very beginning was that shutting the doors, paying everyone JobKeeper and waiting it out was going to be extremely bad for me as a person probably and for the business. We felt like we had to be out there no matter what, doing something. And all, and I asked the staff, I was like, do you want to be at home or do you want to be at work? And they were like, I don't, none of us wanted to be at home. Because when you work in events, you work all the time and you work weird hours and you do, you know, you do long hours. So the thought of being at home all day, every day, you know, responding to, you know, minimal inquiries was just not going to work for us. I mean, I'm sure there's been times that everyone's like, mm, wish we had stayed at home <laughs> because a lot of people say to us, you must feel so rested. And we're all like, is that a joke? Are you crazy? I've never worked so hard in my life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, as, I mean, you, you said there's been a lot of learning. Like I remember you saying to me one day that, you know, you quickly learned how to pack a soup for travel because it wasn't as simple as just putting it in a container. You. You've learned things that I suppose you never thought you would need to.
0: I, I have been, every week I buy hundreds and hundreds of units of packaging and I have to send it back because it's the wrong size or shape or material because we're, you know, we're, we're going into all the sustainable packaging now. And, you know, we get a, a, a container and it's like, that's a beautiful container. It's totally recyclable. And then it, we put the lid on and the lid falls off we're like oh that's weird so we ring the company and they go oh yeah that's a loose fitting lid and we're like what what does that mean <laughs> why do we need a loose fitting lid who who uses that oh yeah that's just that's
1: i mean give me a loose fitting t-shirt but i really don't want any loose fitting lids in my life no like
0: is it how is that a thing and we are you know you have to laugh about it a bit like she said she's like oh you can just send it back that's what most people do And I'm like, wait a minute, so is this like a vicious cycle of people ordering it, loving it, trying the lid on and then sending it back? Is that actually what's happening? And it was the same with the boxes. We're doing boxes, right, hampers, and there's all different types. There's thin cardboard, thick cardboard, there's different coloured cardboards, there's ones that are really easy to fold up and there's ones that you feel like you need to go to Harvard University to learn how to do up a box. I mean, I did 100 last week in about four, three hours. And by the end of it, I was like, check it out. And we were like, we should have like some kind of contest about who can like, you know, fold a
1: box faster. Sophie Ben Shuri did an international cake box folding contest, like at some point of the pandemic. So you needed to have. I really could
0: take him for a run for his money. I could smash that. That was amazing. By the end of it, I was like, no, you do it like this. Boom, 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 boom yeah interesting but it's it's all of these little things that people have no idea that we're doing you know we we folded up 50 boxes the other day and realized they were inside out I didn't even know they could be inside out we'd unfold them and refold them
1: it's interesting that I mean packaging has definitely been something that people have uh, really related to a lot during the pandemic. If you've had any amount of takeaway, you've had a lot of packaging and it's stressful. i find that I find it really stressful. I've almost had to put it to one side because I want to support the restaurants, I want to support the businesses. Uh, but it's um I mean it, how have you felt about it?
0: It's been horrible. I mean, we went from sort of We were sort of. I've done heaps of research on it. So there's all different types of packaging, and then there's obviously a recycling crisis in Victoria anyway. So basically, the argument was you can get plastic that people can reuse in their house, right? But we had a lot of customers that were reordering. They don't need 300 containers. Like, whilst I have 300 plastic containers at my house because I like to, like, my fridge looks like the cool room at work, that's different to, some, to to just your regular punters. So, then we went down the recycled route. So, I've got 100% um, compostable Cryvac bags, but they come in two sizes, right? So, then I'm trying to make the food fit the bag. I'm like, oh, so we've got 500 grams of lamb shoulder. That's great. That's good for two to three people. The, the container, the, the thing the paper container won't fit in the cryovac bag. So, then we're like, oh. So, we either use a very large bag and have to fold it over and then it's like, oh, what's the point? So, it, it, it's a lot about trial and error. It's a lot about using different companies and finding the right one that fits in. Um, you know, some of the, we're, we're sort of learning that if we can have a set size tray, like a paper tray, and then slide that into the compostable bags, that works really well. But all of that has, you know, we haven't had time to do like the R&D that you would do to start a business like what we're doing right now.
1: Mm, Sure, because you've just been thrown into it obviously.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We've just had to go, oh, yeah, cool, we can do takeout, no problem. And then it's like, what what do we do? Does anyone know? (laughs) Does anyone know how to to do this? And And then someone in the office will put their hand up and go, yeah, I reckon you do it like this. But that's not how, like no one would ever start a business like that. No one would never open the doors and then figure out how to do it. But that's what most people and restaurants and caterers and everyone is having to do.
1: Do you feel that you're competing with restaurants now and especially I suppose as, as they reopen? How do you how do you see things continuing for you in this sort of pre-event space?
0: Uh, no, I don't I don't really. I think what we're offering is different. I mean, we're The take home that we're offering is more of a like a mum and dad sort of wholesome kind of, you know, food like a Sunday roasty type food. I feel like the restaurants are still selling that market of I'm going out for dinner. You know, like we're doing, you know, a beautiful lasagna and we're doing, you know, a great piece of um, ocean trout with smoked tomato salsa, but it's not like all the tiny individual containers with all the little tiny pieces. It's sort of not, that's not where our main sort of ordering is. We're going for more, you know, regular orders, people that are placing weekly orders and going, I love the meatballs, we get them every week. Not not like I'm getting lobster rolls from Cumulus. You know, that's like a real special treat. So I, I guess it's kind of different but, you know, there's a huge population in Melbourne, there's definitely enough work for everyone anyway.
1: Yeah, and you've managed to keep all your staff on? Yes.
0: Yeah, um, I have. And that was, that's was that been awesome because I, I really, I mean, I did have to let um, some people go in the very beginning just because we just had to scale down. Um, but the majority of them have stayed and
1: uh, will continue to stay <laughs> if we can keep going. So good. It's really, really great. So how are you... Yeah, it's an it's such an achievement. How are you looking ahead? Like, what do you think you know the next few months are going to hold for you and for Melbourne as a whole?
0: Um, I'm talking to, I'm talking to one of the councils about um, putting a marquee up for eight weeks in a, in a garden, and whether or not I can have the marquee up and we can run events through there. Um. And basically we want to do like community-based stuff for the council and then we'll do events because um, I've got clients that want to do it. Now what I think we'll be able to do is have the same outdoor quota as a restaurant will be able to have because I've been poring over DHHS pieces of paper today which is a thrilling reading and a marquee is considered an outdoor space as long as it's got um, less than two walls on it. So I like the idea of no flooring grass you know all walls off the marquee and you know we just do you know a long lunch a dinner party those kind of things and it'll be a maximum of 70 people or whatever the quota is with you know all the social distancing that needs to happen I mean we've already got a um a COVID safe plan but we just have to keep updating it as they give us new information um so I'm trying to negotiate that at the moment with one of the councils and then hopefully You know, we like the idea of, you know, working with a restaurant and bringing them in. One of the restaurants of the council, we bring them in and we do, like, opera in the park with an Italian restaurant that we help facilitate because that's what we can do and we can, like, show
1: them how to do it. That is such a good idea. Yeah, I'm
0: just trying to get the council to come to the
1: party. Okay, well... whichever council it is shall remain nameless. but I'm sending all the good vibes (laughs) towards you for those interesting discussions with councils. Um, Yeah it's just a matter of them getting their head around it because I understand the infrastructure like
0: I know we need toilets I know we have to make sure that there's you know there's got to be wind limits and all that kind of stuff I know all about all of that like we can handle that and it's just a it's just a little trust thing that we're doing now to make sure that I'm not going to do something you know like I'm not going to build a, a shed and it's going to fall down and not work. I mean, we understand what we're doing.
1: Sure. Well, honestly, like every council should partner with caterers that are in their LGA to create those kind of spaces. I mean, who is better placed than a caterer who already goes in and, and creates something out of nothing? Correct.
0: And, and I don't want to serve the general public. It's not what I do. I don't want to open a restaurant. I have no interest in that. I worked in restaurants for years and years and years. It's not where my head's at. I, I, don't, I can't do the same thing over and over again. I don't like the repetition. I like doing something different and weird all the time. But I love, I love restaurants. So, I love the idea of working with them in some kind of way that we could event manage that space and help them with that. Because, you know, we can do three sittings. That's what 280 people, that's 280 people total they could do in one night really fast. And I could help them and it's a set menu and you'd buy a ticket and you'd get some food and you'd get, you know, some entertainment, like, you know, the barefoot opera singers or whatever.
1: Right. Well, restaurants, contact Sophie at Cook Food. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh god. Um They'll be like, When are we doing it? Uh oh. Yeah, put it in the diary. Um
0: But I like it because I I do believe people want to be outside. And I think Whilst it feels really hard for the restaurants right now, I think they're going to get slammed because I think people don't – they don't want to sit inside a restaurant anyway. So that people are going to be
1: so happy to sit outside of the restaurant. It'll be amazing. I can't wait myself um so if I'm going to mention the thing that we're doing because it sort of seems weird not to mention it we're um collaborating on a thing called cooks and chefs series so it's this um crazy idea I had to bring cookbooks to life via home delivered meals so you're my catering partner with this project um and we've done it we've done three so far two with Julia Busatil Nishimura around her Ostro book and her new book um a year of simple family food in between that we did one with a entry which was ace and now we've got one that's on sale to heading McKinnon to Asia with Love. So I think um I suppose what I what I love about what I love about doing it with you is that you're an absolute perfectionist obsessive like like you you will not put something out if it's not delicious and good. Um but yeah you're also kind of up for anything and uh it's fun. Yeah it is
0: fun. It's it's a it's for me it's a particularly hard space because you know, putting something in a box and then sending it out to someone, you are sort of, I'm used to being able to give them the finished product with all the pomp and splendor that I possibly can give. And there's not a lot of that coming out of a bag. So that's why I think I get so anal about it because I need to know that when they open it, it's not going to be like, oh yeah, bag of food. It's like, no, bag of food. <laughs> So, anyway, I seem like I might have lost my marbles.
1: No, well, it's fun to do bags of food with you. Um, (laughs) uh, Sophie Thorin from Cook's Food, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Dirty Linen. I wish you all the best for the summer to come with all its uh, meteorological, uh, regulatory and personal permutations. I have a feeling that you're going to smash it. I hope so.
0: I just can't. I just want to get amongst it.
1: Yeah, I think we all do. But yeah, um, <laughs> thanks so much for coming along and having a chat. No worries. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives.